As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, everybody? Just me again, but it's what seems to happen a lot of times when I'm doing a solo episode. We wind up having some guests, and that we do tonight. Before we get into that real quick, I was just listening. My wife was, she's been obsessed with Church of God Reformation lately. And uh, she's listening to some kind of a town hall in there. I've never seen her this enthralled. <laughs> <laughs> in my life. Apparently there's a cult in Indiana that has a lot of crossover between the CHM. There's people that Missy knows that went there and vice versa. And they, they actually were forced in the town that they were in. I don't know if I want to say forced. They had a public forum that um, where they were answering a lot of questions. I guess people were really afraid they were going to have a Jim Jones situation or something. But uh, that name's been coming up a lot lately. So I don't know. Maybe I just... Maybe I'm alluding to a future episode. <laughs> but go check out Church of God Reformation. There's a lot of videos about them. They're they're quite a quite a bunch. Like they pray in Ray Tinsman, I think, is one of their apostles. They like pray in his name and all this weird stuff. And they hit a little closer to home than I initially thought. But anyways, guest tonight, Amateur Faith Night Podcast. And we got all three of the hosts. This is this is a pretty big get. I like this. We got all three. And there's <laughs> nobody. You didn't just pass us off and be like, "Yeah, whoever's you know, <laughs> whoever's got time, take this call." We live in St. Louis, so uh, we have nothing else. <laughs> yeah, nothing else. St. <laughs> Louis is a boring place, huh? I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm talking with Jeremy, Gary, and Jen of uh, Amateur Faith Night Podcast. Um, Jen, you are also a, an author, right? Uh, yeah, World I wrote famous, a, yeah. I, not really. No, I wrote a book. I mean, I guess that counts as an author, well, sure. an author but yeah, sure. Yeah. You're so more I've, of an author I've than I am a podcast. Host. Let's just put it down. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> What's the name of that right off the top so we can plug that? Yeah. The name of the book is called free from legalism to grace breaking out of the United Pentecostal church. Mm. I like it. And people, and it's on can, Amazon. people can find it on Amazon. Very good. 
All right, why don't you just tell me a little bit about y'all? Because I, I I mentioned earlier that I found you through a, a post that Brian Holderson made and um, started listening to your podcast and really liked what I was hearing, reached out, and we've done a little bit of juggling the schedules, which seems to be the norm these days. But I'm curious, you know, you mentioned UPC and all that. Give, give me a little background, who you are, where you came from, why'd you start the podcast? Sure. I feel like I'm doing all the talking though. And this is usually how it works because they just sit there and then (laughs) (laughs) while you're in the middle seat. Right, right, right. (laughs) So um how the podcast kind of morphed actually. It was just an idea that we had. Um when so I started a blog in 2018. We left the UPC in 2016. So I guess we'll start there. And then I started a blog in 2018. And in 2019, my book was released. And um the weird thing was like people read it and I was actually on cultish podcast back 2019, 2020. Really? Right. So that's kind of what propelled the book, I think a little bit. Um, so a couple years later, I just wanted to do more and Jeremy and I kind of had it on our heart to start something. Um, I still do my blog sometimes, but I feel like not that I'm ever over, not that I'm perfect, but like I'm over the initial leaving and mm-hmm. the hurt that came from that and those kinds of things. But, um, so I don't feel like as inspired to write my blog as much because I was using it more of a therapeutic thing for me. Sure. Honestly. Absolutely. Uh, but at this point it's kind of like now we're just, as it was crazy how many people like reached out to us <laughs> through all of oh, that yeah. and how many connections that we've made. So we just kind of wanted to start something else and kind of, just help people who are leaving because that there's not, I'm sure you're familiar with just kind of getting out of legalism and everything. There's not Mm -hmm. a big community that you know of, but there really is, but you just have to find it. So we just wanted to be out there for people to have connections. And then we drug Gary along for the ride. (laughs) 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 Yeah. You mentioned that there's not a lot of stuff out there for legal, uh, leaving legalism and especially when you're stuck in it, you don't know about the other denominations that are very similar. Mm-hmm. And so like the, the independent fundamental Baptists, they have, uh, there seems to be probably the most that I came across about them, but when it's not brand specific, like CHM, they don't always answer all the questions, you know, cause the CHM we had, we were very similar, but we had our own little brand of brainwashing too. <laughs> and so sometimes <laughs> to get over top of that, yeah, it takes a lot of digging and, and, you know, you could pull some from, you know, the Baptists and some from, from the holiness movement in general, but it does seem to help when you have somebody that's like, Hey, this is, you know, this is CHM or uh, this is UPC. Uh, people can really identify with that more. For sure. That's what to this day, I still talk to a, <laughs> I won't say his name because I don't want to cause him any trouble because I think he still has some ties, but he's an ex-CHM preacher. And when I'm having questions about, you know, do Christians sin and all that, or even the second work of grace, which was a big deal in the CHM, I will call him up and ask him because he's out. He left about 20, 30 years ago, and he knows exactly where I'm coming from. He knows exactly the thoughts I'm struggling with. So I'll call him up to this day and and he'll walk me through it and be like, well, Phil, you know, (laughs) he kind of dumbs it down for me where I can understand it. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I still reach out to people who are in the UPC if I have specific questions mm-hmm. that I'm like, Hey, I don't remember how this was taught or it's just because too, I feel like it's been a while since I've been in and I, they, they change things. <laughs> so it's I see. mind blowing to me sometimes. I'm just like, really? That's how it is now. Okay. <laughs> right. 
Now, UPC is, uh, you mentioned earlier, United Pentecostal Church? Church. Okay. Well, give me, uh, you guys give me a little bit of uh, background of that. What's it like growing up in that, being in that? What's, what's their deal? Well, for the most part, Jennifer and I grew up in the same congregation together. Um, it's, it's definitely a different environment because they believe in three-step salvation. So three-step. First, three-step. three-step. Man, I thought we had, we had two. I thought that was why. <laughs> so the first step is repentance. And they generally don't consider your repentance like valid unless you've been snotting and crying and hollering at the altar. Mm-hmm. Well, I am baptized. Can, oh, sorry. I'm jumping ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Settle down. Now. I'm sorry. And so they, and because we're about to talk about baptism, they don't believe that your sins, they believe your sins are forgiven at repentance, but they don't believe that they've been remitted. Even though that's technically the same word. And yes, it is the same word yeah. as Greek. But we got um, my mind working here. Wow. So what, <laughs> so they will require you to then be baptized in the name of Jesus only, because they deny the Trinity, they're modalist. They're they'll say they're not. Keep going, sorry. And the reason why they baptize in Jesus' name only, and they require baptism in Jesus' name only, is that they will tell you that that's the only way for your sins to be remitted. Modern day words would be washed away. So okay. God forgives you at repentance, but He hasn't forgotten until you've been washed clean. Oh wow, that's weird. yes it is (laughs) wow and so then the last thing before you have to and i'm going to put this in like air quotes because to me a lot of this is works based already but before you really have to start earning your salvation (laughs) you then have to um they would say speak in tongues they said that they would say that's the only evidence of you being filled with the holy spirit and if you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, then you're not saved. Okay, but I have to interject and say that the hardcore people call it the Holy Ghost. Can't say Holy Spirit. There was like an actual argument online, like literally this week. Are you serious? About that. Oh, dead, yeah. Dead serious. I say that a lot in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> half, half my contributions to our podcast is, are you serious? <laughs> I get it. I, I've just heard like five minutes. I, I get it. Wow. So uh, you can't say Holy Spirit like the old timers. It's Holy Ghost. I mean, right, the old timers. Yeah. I mean, I think they do now because the whole thing was on Facebook. David Bernard, he's like the superintendent of the whole organization, said Holy Spirit in a post. And there and were people, people that got worked up about ballistic. it. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. We can't water down. We can't water down our doctrine. It's Holy Ghost. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, because it's so disrespectful. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So if they they baptize only in the name of Jesus, that's it. So what do they how do they view like the you know the Holy Spirit? I'm gonna to try to put it in a nice way. They will view the Holy Spirit as like they will liken it almost as to the force in Star Wars. Like it's something that can be used, manipulated, or like almost commanded to do things. Mm. Oh wow. That's that's a pretty good description, I would think. Man. But um, Gary missed out again. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of the worst. <laughs> Gary's like, oh, one of the worst. <laughs> I never thought so I'd ever hear it described like that. Wow. 
Uh, I'm sorry. Did you anticipate us being serious no, on this podcast? Sorry. No, we <laughs> never are. Neither said. It's like think think about the force and stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. Oh man. But it's hard to explain though because they think like so they're very oneness. They deny the Trinity. So the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit are are one, which we believe that too as Trinitarians, obviously, but mm-hmm. like a, if you, if you even mention that they have like separate anything, it's like you're declared a heretic, like separate roles or. So then separate the person. father, so then the relationship with the father and the son. And I, and I don't, I mean, I hope I, I, I nerd out a little bit over this stuff. So <laughs> I apologize. we're getting deep into some Trinity talk. So what's that view? The father and the son, they're not looked at as having different, different roles. So what they will tell you, if you were to ask like a UPC pastor, minister, uh, they would try to explain, for example, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is praying to the Father, you know, mm-hmm. hey, let this pass from me if it, if it be your will kind of thing. They would say that is the humanity that didn't want to deal with the punishment and the pain, talking to the divinity. So talking to himself. Talking, talking to himself. To himself. So yeah. he's schizophrenic. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> oh. Wow. You know, they explain it a lot like, okay, I'm a mom, I'm a daughter, and I'm a sister, but I'm still the same person. That's how they'll explain it. I see. I see. They would say all one person, different roles. Right. I, all one person, different Some roles. would maybe say but, different manifestations of the same person. And then I've heard them say a lot too, the whole baptism in Jesus' name thing. Like you can't sign a check, mother, sister daughter, you have to sign it with your name. So until the name is actually applied, then the baptism doesn't count. Wow. Man, but that's this... also assuming that you believe in baptismal regeneration. That right. It takes baptism to remit your sin. Because in the end, yeah. that's really what it comes down to. So in that aspect, they're very close to Catholicism because they will require baptism to remit sin. Well, uh, sometimes it uh, depends on who you talk to. I think but the Church of Christ gets a little closer to that at times too, right? Some of those I, I believe so. I, I'm a big fan of Phil Robertson. They're they're pretty hardcore Church of Christ, so I've heard them have these arguments amongst themselves. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, Phil, he's a little more on the hard hard nose point, you know, and some of the younger guys are like, yeah, you know, not necessarily, but that's that's the only thing I would that I know I can draw a connection to in my mind. I don't think I've ever heard of other than uh, UBC. I don't think I've ever heard of a denomination that just flat out said, you know, the, the whole Trinity denying thing. I didn't really know that was right. a thing. Yeah, that's one of the makings of a cult, too. If you ask, you know, like Dr. Walton, Walter Martin put that out there, like, deny the Trinity, that makes you a cult. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty weird. So how big of a, a group are we talking about here? I mean, is this a massive denomination? They claim they, they are. They claim I'm actually looking that up right now to see what their current numbers are, but they claim that they have around five million worldwide, about a million in the US. Okay. But they also include people that probably don't actually attend. Like their their numbers are very inflated. Yeah, the old pad and the yeah. numbers. I've seen that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't know I don't know exactly how much actually so, according to their website, they have uh, 5.3 million worldwide. 5.3. Is 
Is that bigger than the conservative holding us? Oh, or Lord, yes. <laughs> okay, that's what I was thinking. I thought yes. that one was pretty small. I don't know what compared. the numbers are for the conservative holiness movement. That they fly so much under the radar. They just they keep their head down. Uh, they've only recently embraced live streaming and internet. And in fact, the group that I came from, or the, the certain there's a spectrum of CHM. So I was on the real legalistic spectrum. And you still won't see a lot of those churches live streaming and because it's video. Video is a sin. So therefore. Is it geographical? Is it like kind of just one section of the country or is it <laughs> not necessarily? Because I'm in West Virginia. We had the rough, we had the, the real strict part here, but then there's some out in like Missouri, uh, some up in Michigan. Now the more mainstream part of it, you'll see like uh Beaver Town Church in in um uh, Pennsylvania. And they usually center around there's five main Bible colleges that they have. So you usually see like the more, the larger churches there because they're feeding off of that kind of, uh, that infrastructure of people's coming and then they just decide to stay. And then you got the college kids and all yeah. that. And they tend to be more, a lot more reasonable. <laughs> I say that with quotes, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Some of these, some of these backwood ones, uh, they'll, they'll make your hair stand on end. Jeremy did a lot of research on one of our podcasts. It was like a three-part podcast. It was a six-part podcast. Was it? Okay, it's three six. I mean, I deny the really close. I'm though. denying those other three. <laughs> uh, he did the, the, the basically the founding of the the UPC, and there was a lot of that too, where they would go to like a city, or there was like a you know a college or a you know, uh-huh. they kind of set up shop, so yeah. to speak, like that. Well, I think we have probably a lot of the same roots, I would think, is the holiness movement. And what should we do? I know we do. Because mm-hmm. we did go through that a little bit on our sure on our podcast. Sure. It's not as old as people, well, as people inside of it like to think it is. It seems, right. seems <laughs> what, like late 1800s? For holiness, well, the UPC just formed in 1943, 42, 45. Yeah, my grandparents are older than that organization. Sure. Uh, the CHM started... There was a lot of split off. So, like the CHM would would split off of like the Nazarene Church. Okay. Uh, they split off of the Wesleyan Church, and then some of the Methodists, like the Free Methodists, they used to be in there. And it was all like right around the mainly around the forties, fifties, sixties is when boom, everybody started splitting, and that's that's how you got a lot of right. denominations we that's have today. That's kind of how the UBC went too, and it was over oneness. But if you go back far enough. The UPC is actually an offshoot of the Assemblies of God. So what happened was, is the Assemblies of God, they had a bunch of ministers start baptizing in Jesus' name and denying the Trinity. The Assemblies of God got together, held a conference, and called that heresy. Basically, they declared it as heresy, and everyone that was doing that was basically outcasted. I see. Because of that, then they're like, oh, we have to form our own organization. Basically, with time, that's what happened. Right. Well, they had the they had the persecution complex right up front. <laughs> if they was able to, see, they had a they had a jump start on that. <laughs> well, wow! And they had a guy threw an arm back too. So you really got to dig back into those episodes. <laughs> wait a minute, wait. Yeah, somebody grew Not an arm. Back. Yeah, yeah, the guy grew an arm back. That they claim. So, for example, one of the big revivals was in the what year would that have been? It was in the early 1900s. Early 1900s, though Azusa. Street, which is in California, uh-huh. um, they will claim that that's part of the early branches of the movement. They will claim that. Um, but one of the stories is that there was a gentleman came in, 
who was basically missing his arm from like the elbow down. And the pastor at the time prayed for him and they watched, they claim bone grow out of the elbow down the arm, forming an arm, then forming hand, then forming fingers. And then they watch flesh grow over that. This guy was like a laugh lizard or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. But there wasn't any newspaper articles that had that or anything like legit. Just folklore. Just right. folklore. Yeah. Yeah. No actual eyewitness accounts that were documented anywhere. Sure. Some of our listeners will remember we had a we had a doctor on earlier. It's been a while back now. And he he talked about some accounts of this. He never quite persuaded me <laughs> because we, we always joked with Kanan. He's usually on the podcast. He cut his toe off with a lawnmower and ain't nothing growing back yet. <laughs> so he ain't having no luck. I'm not sure I believe it. Are, are they big on like the way y'all dress? Was it, you know, was it legalistic in that way? You know, the whole holiness standards as we always like to hear. So now we're going to get into the part where you this, basically earn your salvation. This is the fun out. part. I'm this, just letting you know that you're really digging. That you're going to get to it. <laughs> just wait. We'll, we'll let Jen handle this part. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. Um, no, dress was a huge thing. Um, they would like to tell you that it's not salvific, which is not true. Because if you actually attend there, then you know that they believe that it is. Um, so yeah, skirts on women. It's, I think it's really similar to the CHM skirts on women, at least to your knee. Um, there's a lot of churches that make you wear longer and, and none of these are really like set in stone as far as across the entire organization. There's all those churches that have their own little rules and uh-huh. they're very careful to say, well, you have to make sure you obey your pastor, you know? So if you have a question about anything, so like wedding rings are in some churches and not in other churches and TVs the same way. Um, women cannot cut their hair, no makeup, no makeup, no jewelry. Um, men are supposed to have really short hair, no beards, but they've laxed on the beards thing lately, Probably which about was the last 10 years, which was actually funny. Cause there was a podcast episode that we did that, <laughs> that kind of like poked fun at this a little bit maybe, but they're, they were doing a, like a play at Easter, like a drama. And so some of the men were growing their beards out, right? But they had like this huge UPC minister conference at this church. And some of the people who were growing beards out were on stage. And so they literally had to get up there and say, well, we've deemed it okay for right now so we can look like Jesus and the (laughs) apostles. (laughs) (laughs) Normally, we don't allow this on the platform. <laughs> Normally, we don't want you to look like Jesus. <laughs> this, man, this all sounds so familiar. There's, We've covered some of the CHM Bible colleges and their rules. Their rules are insane. And one of the, some of them do have written. They actually were crazy enough to write this down so everybody else could see it. But they have no beards and less for drama purposes. <laughs> it's, it's actually in there. Yeah, they've got it in their handbooks. <laughs> That's so stupid. So, yeah, I mean, but it's it varies across the congregations. So there's, like, and where we attended, like, nothing was really said if you had a beard, unless you wanted to be on the platform, and mm-hmm. then you had um, no shorts for men. That was a big one that they've kind of laxed off of recently. Depending on the pastor. Depending on the pastor. So you say that this stuff changes from... Con- so. Uh, you said David Bernard, is that his name? Mm-hmm. 
he's not enforcing this stuff all across across the board. He's, he's a very smart guy, and he's very careful about how he words things. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, he covers himself his butt really well. Mm-hmm. I feel like <laughs> he just because people will ask him questions, and if he can't prove it, I think biblically, like, I think he knows he can't prove it biblically. So he'll put something out there and just kind of reinforce it with, but you have to do with your patch, what your pastor says. So, and, and they'll, they'll claim too, that the churches are independent or what's the word that I'm looking for? Not independent, but autonomous. I can't say that. I can never say that word, Yeah. Um, (laughs) but I think that's his out. So Mm. To stay in charge, I think for him, I don't know him personally, so I'm completely talking out of my butt right now. From my observations, I think he's a very smart guy. He wants to be in charge, and so he knows the right things to say. Since he's he came into office, which has been quite a while, yeah, he's really pushed what he even he will label it. He has said his ideas on what would be apostolic identity, mm-hmm. pushing modalism, pushing and filling the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. Holiness standards. Looking different from the world. Looking different from the world and saying that that is the way that the apostles would have done it. So they won't even refer to themselves as Pentecostals anymore or even Christians. They refer to themselves as being apostolic. Right. And so I think with time, I think with time, it's now morphed into like an identity and he's going to let kind of the pastors kind of run the way they want. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. More so than in the past. I see. I'd say in office, what, probably 12 years or so? I honestly don't know. I could be wrong. He was in office for quite a while before we left. Yeah. But the apostolic identity thing wasn't a thing until. Until he took office. Yeah. And it was just starting when we left six and a half years ago. I think it was just like starting to take off. Gary did. So they have shirts made and everything. That's well, we're working on our hashtag apostolic bumper stickers right now. <laughs> Those will be available in the gift shop. <laughs> hashtag apostolic. Yeah, they have shirts. You can buy a shirt that says hashtag apostolic. Be apostolic. Be apostolic. Yeah. yeah. Be, it's crazy. Wow. <laughs> Give me a, a definition for dummies and modalism, Jeremy. I've heard you mentioned a couple of times, and I've heard it thrown around, but I'm not exactly a. Uh, 
you know, don't have my doctorate in theology yet. Um, Ooh, can you do this on the cuff like that? Get everybody like a, stare. I know. <laughs> this is impressive. So modalism would actually go back. We're, we're talking probably around 140 AD. Um, you've got a couple guys um, that are, spe- well, so one of their things that they will talk about is they believe that the Council of Nicaea 325 AD, they believe that the Roman Catholic Church decided that there would be a Trinity. And they believed that no one taught or believed in any type of idea of Trinity up until that point. So, however, if you read and you study, you'll know that Nicaea was not necessarily because they wanted to decide that there was a Trinity. You had Arius, who was a big modalist, who believed that Jesus was a created being, so basically a man. Mm-hmm. Okay, who became God. It's debatable whether or not he taught if he, if he became God at his baptism or he just became God at some other point. And that basically God indwelt him and that there was only one person of God. So a tr- classic Trinitarian would be three persons, one being. Mm-hmm. They would say one person, one being. Mm-hmm. Okay. People deny that they're modalists. They, in that, in, they don't like that term. They don't like that term because they like to say Jesus is God. And so at that point you have to assign divinity, like, you know, at some point yeah. his fleshly appearance on earth. But I don't, I don't really know. I can't explain how they explain, how they explain it either or what they actually believe. Cause I honestly didn't understand it when I was in, that was one of the things that I really always questioned. That sounds like our, our version of that was the second work. Like, Everybody's sitting there trying to, you know, we're trying to, we're squinting, you know, trying, trying real hard, <laughs> grunting, would, trying to understand it. I would say probably 90% of UPCers, if you ask them to explain oneness, what they would say oneness, which is modalism, they would almost explain it from a Trinitarian viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Almost. It's the 10 to 15% that have been to their Bible colleges, and they even have one graduate school that's actually accredited. They're really indoctrinated into how to explain it perfectly to the T, and they won't. Because if you if you ask, I say the general Trinitarian, the UPCer would say, "Okay, well, we believe these are manifestations of the same God. Jesus was a manifestation of the Father. The Holy Spirit is a manifestation of Jesus. You know, His Spirit, yeah. etc." And most Trinitarians would be like, "Okay, yeah, we're kind of talking the same lingo. We're talking about." Jesus, we're talking about, you know, um, the work of the cross. You know, there's a lot of the same lingo. So they're like, oh, yeah, you must be a Christian, too, <laughs> which is not really the case. Right, right. Well, and that's the thing that they, they indoctrinate the people who are in. And that's what Jeremy was saying. Like, people would explain it almost like a Trinitarian would. But they will teach that Trinitarians believed in believe in three gods. So... My entire upbringing, I thought Trinitarians believed in three gods. We're polytheistic. I had, I had no idea that they... Holy cow, were, man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So if you if you ask any oneness layman, they'll tell you Trinitarians will believe in three gods. Man, this is interesting. I never... I've never heard this before. <laughs> what are you talking about? The UPC is huge. They're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I've never come across one. They're five million members. So imagine your friend <laughs> asking to be on a podcast and you don't know any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. So this, uh, apart from that, a lot of the other stuff you're saying sounds very familiar as far as the whole 
like um, it was called apostolic identity with y'all with us with us it's like you know they'll in fact the testimonies would be you know i just want people to you know when they see me they see something different you know like that Mm -hmm. kind of thing and big time identity um by how you look in the chm which that's the saddest thing i think that i have encountered since i've left it's people get so angry with me for speaking out against an organization because they take it so personally because that organization is the, who they are as a person, right. it's their identity. And so when, of course, when you leave, which I'm sure you experience yourself, like you don't know who you are, what you're doing, or like, why am I here? Because your right. identity is completely gone. You have to start from scratch and figure you out. But those people who are still in anyone that speaks out, or points out flaws in that organization, it's like they're pointing out flaws and speaking out against them personally. Yeah, I've noticed that with the CHM as well. It, it becomes, I've mentioned this before, I think there's people that you'll see that it becomes their everything, their social life is along with their spiritual life because all the things that you normally build a you know rapport with people and that you build your social life with, they're sin. You know, like football games and you know stuff that normally brings the community together uh any kind of live music you know if they have live music down at the courthouse you stay away from there that's what the devil you know it just it becomes it becomes their your entire being and yeah next thing you know it's got you and then when you get spit out uh, that gets that gets real dicey real quick mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure so you mentioned about people uh people getting upset that they say you're attacking what kind of what kind of feedback you guys get with this podcast? You know, to be completely honest, we've had a lot of good feedback with the podcast. I was really surprised. I think, I think because I've I I haven't shocked anybody with it now. I think everybody's like used to me. Like they're <laughs> 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 just like whatever at this point. <laughs> right. But I yeah, with the podcast, it hasn't been too bad actually. I think the biggest brunt of people speaking out against Jennifer, myself, us, what we're doing would have been going back to the two part episode that Jennifer did on cultish. Um, that led to a lot. And then Jennifer's book did as well. Yeah. That, I mean that we kind of already went through that whole huge backlash and I feel like not that we wouldn't occasionally, we still get messages from people. Um, but it's not anything like it was three years ago. Sure. No, they're, there for a while, I, w- I was almost like thinking we were going to have to get a restraining order on somebody. Right. That bad, it, huh? We, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, pastor, the, licensed the, minister. The licensed minister in the UPC, the authorities were called. It, it was a whole ordeal. He doesn't even live in the same state as me. Like, it's crazy. It was Good crazy Lord. stuff that was happening. Um, but yeah, it. I think right now, I think at this point, like I said, it's not really shocking to anybody. So, um, yeah, we haven't really... It's been pretty pretty calm. That's one thing I've noticed too on our end. The the, the good feedback far outweighs the bad. Oh, for sure. That's we, what makes it worth it. We've been yes. accused of being like sarcastic and make and well, like that's uh, true. Yeah. And making fun of people and stuff. And we always caveat on our podcast, like, listen, we're not professional theologians or however you say that word. Uh, you know, this is just we're friends talking about faith. You know. Right. Just talking about life, like we're not, and, and I, we're extremely sarcastic, if, as you could probably pick up a, a little, little bit. bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're just, but we've known each other for six years, and we're just talking. So, yes, yeah, sometimes it comes off like maybe we're mocking or mimicking, but we don't definitely don't want that to be the case. It's like we're just talking this out. And um, one of the experiences I had with these guys is they took me to a service, 
it was this huge like youth convention, but there was adults and everything there too, but it was, I don't know how many people were there. It was a couple thousand, a couple thousand. And, you know, they asked me what I thought about it after we got out of it. And I honestly, I just felt really kind of, I don't know, like I felt bad for some of the kids, like the, the kids there, because what I was seeing was like them genuinely just loving God and the way they knew it, like they were totally into it and they were having a legit like experience and to them. And I just felt upset about how they were being misled, like them, you know, kind of knowing that everything I learned from Jen and Jeremy, like how misleading that uh, faith is felt bad for the, cause some of that youth, cause they were like really into it. Like, re- like you could, I just, sure. you know, I, I wasn't faulting them. It was just, I felt bad because I mean, they were, hundred percent into it. Very true. And, uh, so I was just more or less sad because I mean, they're just being misled. That was Absolutely. what I got out of it. Absolutely. Um, it was interesting. There was a lot of yelling. Gary, what cracked me up the most when we're leaving, we got in the car and we did, we asked Gary how he felt and he told us that. And he goes a little bit later, he goes, I just couldn't understand why the motivational speaker kept yelling at me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was the thing that was so crazy during that service. Like other than singing about the name of Jesus, there wasn't any Jesus. Yeah. That's what I said to you. I said, there's a a lack of Jesus in that Jesus service. Like it was. All about you. Yeah. Yeah. You, you need to run more, you know, around the church, um, witness more, do more. And they did. They ran. Yeah, up and down the aisles, oh. all over the. <laughs> we used to do that too. <laughs> Their big worship song that night too was about being apostolic, an apostolic move of the mm-hmm. Spirit, not the Holy Spirit, not the Holy Ghost, an apostolic move of the right. Spirit. Man. That's what they were waiting. On. It all sounds so familiar. <laughs> 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 there was the one thing. So you guys, um, when you're in UP, uh, UPC, like they they believe in speaking in tongues. You said right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. See, that was the one we were scared of you guys because <laughs> we had Call them a child. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So we're still with the persuasion, like because I um, wanted somebody from I don't know, one a conservative movement said that anybody who spoke in tongues was going to hell. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so that was your church. That that, gotcha. that would be us. My dad was actually when he became a believer. Long story here, but dad had me when he was about uh, almost sixty. So dad, dad grew up, you know, he was born in 1933, but when he became a believer in, I think it was 1958, he actually was accepted Christ in a Pentecostal church and, you know, did the Pentecostal thing for a while. I don't, I don't remember any of the details about it, but then somehow the CHM found him, convinced him to switch. And then of course it was, so we'd always hear all the horror stories about the speaking in tongues and all. <laughs> we always, we I can remember because some of the Pentecostal, and this probably isn't UPC. I, I don't know. We would go see these Southern Gospel um, concerts and stuff because that was about the only form of music you could go see that wasn't CHM. And we'd always be careful. We try to figure out what church is. What's the name of the church? Where is it, is it a Pentecostal church? <laughs> And I, I can remember going to see the McCamies, and things got a little wild. I remember just being terrified. Gary's <laughs> like, I have no clue. We, we would shout and do all that stuff, but the whole like, like the whole speaking in tongues thing, it always scared us to death because our our preachers were big times. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Gospel wise, we were really only allowed to listen to the Magruders. 
because oh, they, yeah. were, they, they were. They were, yes. Yes, they were. You see? Yeah. <laughs> the recruiters. I ain't heard that name in years. Wow. Yeah. Now we could we could go see Southern gospel music, but we couldn't have it in our church. You see. What did you sing? Like hymns? Yeah, and then the CHM has their own little music culture. Ah. Like they got their songwriters and stuff like that. They're they're traveling evangelists that there's like song evangelists also that travel. But the only thing it is is usually a husband and wife that sing with a lot of vibrato extreme amounts and it's usually just a keyboard like there'll be no there will be no drum there will be no drums <laughs> not in that's this place awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually just them and a keyboard and that's it oh. send us the link we'd love to watch that. <laughs> oh i can send you some of that <laughs> in fact oh. i love music i play i've played music ever since i was a kid and even my grandpa who was chm played it you know ever since he was a kid and both of us felt if the only kind of music we could listen to was CHM, we would, I would stop tomorrow. That's it. I can't handle it. Oh my gosh. Well, I remember when I was growing up, my mom would not let me listen to like contemporary Christian music. Oh, that was yeah. taboo. Yeah, that was sinful yeah. and worrying too. Oh, and I came home with a DC Talk CD and. Come <laughs> 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 more guts Watch than out. I do, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember somebody, we was at one of our church camps, which is in the backwoods of West Virginia, really intimidating when you think about it somebody was working behind the the dining hall you know that we were like in in the serving section some somebody had a i think casting crowns cd they were playing and i could just remember some of the comments and stuff people was like listen to that that's just you know it's of the devil i call it the big <laughs> ruckus yeah. well i did want to ask you guys so i guess here to kind of wrap it up what what brought you out what made you what made you leave and what made you leave without, I mean, you guys mentioned you still go to church and stuff to this day, right? I'm not talking to, I'm not talking about sinners and backsliders here. We're not talking. <laughs> I mean, we're kind of reprobates and backsliders. If you ask <laughs> <laughs> but what, what brought you out without just saying, hey, screw this whole, you know, Christian thing in general, I'm just throwing it all out. God. <laughs> yeah. The leading, the leading to the Holy Spirit, really. In, I the, mean, in the end. Yeah. We started quite, we had a lot of questions and it's a whole long story, which I mean, I wrote an entire book. If you really want to hear the whole thing, there's a book for that sure. <laughs> long, long story short. Um, we had a lot of questions. So that's why we started studying and we started setting out the standards first because I wanted to be able to teach it to my kids. Um, we weren't studying to leave. We were studying to stay. And that's the part I feel like people don't understand. Like we, I was not rebellious. I didn't cut my hair out of rebellion. It wasn't because I was tired of doing the standards, um, which I hated my hair and I hated having to wear the, the skirts. You know, I felt like a walking billboard every day of my life. But at the same time, like we, our heart was in it. Like we, we wanted to stay. So we started studying standards. Well, obviously when you figure out like, that's not true, um, everything kind of comes crashing down on you. Cause then we thought, okay, well, where are we going to go to church that teaches three step salvation and oneness, but doesn't teach standards. And, um, there isn't any, yeah, there's, there's, there aren't any churches that, that teach that really. So if you guys want uh, to start a church, there's a little niche uh, audience you can get. <laughs> no, you don't want to start a church. That's how you end up being a cult. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. Um, so yeah, so we started studying that and then we actually found grace. Like we found, grace. Mm -hmm. And that just changed. That was a game changer. And I know Jeremy 
had, he studied out Christianity in general, um, really got down to the basics of God. Yeah. For, for a while, I felt like I've been lied to all my life. And so I was like, if I was lied to about standards, if I was lied to about what the Bible really teaches on salvation, what is Christianity even real? And so I, for a long time, I was studying, is Jesus really a historical person? And if so, what can we find to back that? Okay, now that I've decided he was a historical person, he was real, was he really God? And what can we find to back that? So I went through the whole, because why am I going to put my faith in any of this if that's not even correct or right to begin with? So, yeah. It, it, but in the end, it was the Holy Spirit drawing us. Yeah. Sure. You feel it made you a, a stronger Christian to do all that studying, Jeremy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because just like Jennifer said, my not so much a walking billboard like the women, but my identity was not a Christian. My identity at that point was more so I'm a UPC or Pentecostal. Now they would say apostolic, but I wasn't a Christian, and I wouldn't have identified myself really as a Christian. And to be honest with you, if you, if you flat out ask me, and we'll just say you did, I don't believe I was saved up until about six years ago because I didn't have a true idea of the work of the cross and I didn't put my faith in the work of the cross. I put my faith in me being able to maintain and keep my salvation, Sure, which I knew I faltered every day. Absolutely. So I was like, what's the point? Right. Right. That mentality, it leads right. to despair. Just running that hamster wheel of works. It's tiring. It's exhausting. And you know, you asked like, why, why we do what we do. And that's why, because like Gary was saying, like, there's, we're, we're speaking out against the organization, not the people, because all of those people are genuine, good people that are trying. They're really trying to do the best they can the way they know how with the information that they have. So, I mean, and I was there. I get it. I don't, I don't fault them for that. And, um, yeah, I love them. Like, I would like to see them free from that. Sure. But well, the reason I asked you, Jeremy, about that, I, there was always this big push in the CHM, and I'm guessing in the UPC as well, that, that well, they'd use the phrase too, like some people so open-minded their brains fall out or something like that. You know, just, they discouraged that deep. Uh, Free thought. Yes, that deep asking of questions and all that. And I went through a lot. I don't think I went back quite as far as you did. I had those questions, um, and I was able to satisfy them without without doing a whole, what it, like case for Christ type of thing where, you know, he just went, stripped yeah. it all down yeah. to bare bones. <laughs> yeah. But those questions that I asked, I feel led me to be a better, a stronger Christian. Instead of me just saying, well, because the preacher said, now I... I know why, why I believe what I do or, or why we do certain things. To be honest, I didn't even know there were resources out there like Case for Christ, Christianity. Um, oh, what's the guy that's the ex-cop? I can't think of the name of his book. Whole Case Christianity. Um, and then several others because in the UPC, you didn't read material outside of the organization. Right. Yeah, so it's like you didn't have those resources. So if you were a young person, a young adult who was like, okay, I was brought up in this, but I don't believe it because I don't think Jesus was real. I don't think he was God. That just doesn't make sense because when you boil it down, I mean, it's almost like a sci-fi movie or fantasy movie to believe that God impregnated a woman mm -hmm. who was born a physical man, lived a perfect life, died and rose again. So 
for those type of people, they just have to take the minister's word on it because they really don't have that type of material themselves. Right. Well, question makes you a reprobate. Yeah. If you, if you question and if you go with certain questions to like ministers or deacons or whatever, they're going to be like, who you've been talking to. Right. What's your influence? Even even studying the standards, we had to kind of keep it on the DL. We, we did a secret Bible study in the basement of our church before choir practice on Sunday mornings. Oh, wow. Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> That's how because we weren't using UPC material. We were using the Bible. <laughs> that so, explains where the communion wine went. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me, Gary? We drank grape juice like good Christians. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what what's neat about all this is God is sitting here the whole time knowing that once you start kind of down the road Jeremy went or anybody goes, when you start looking for answers, the truth's always going to come through. So if you get curious and you really start looking into all this stuff, uh, the confidence that God has that you're going to come to realize the truth about it all, you know, Jesus and, all, you know, that's, that's the point of it all is you start digging into it, the truth will reveal itself. It's these people that or trying to stymie that uh, curiosity that you have to be wary of. Sure. I like what the recovering fundamentalists, there's some some guys that left the IFB, they always say all the time that truth never fears a challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. God is bigger than our yeah. questions. Yes. yes God is. is bigger. I like it. Well, guys, I won't hold you up all night, but I greatly appreciate you being on. Um, we can find the podcast is Amateur Faith Night podcast. Where is it available? Anywhere? Yeah, anywhere. We're on YouTube now, so we have that. And then Spotify and Apple, Apple and Google. Google. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much everywhere. Very good. Jen put us there. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't put you on. job site today. He's right there. Wait, wait. Are you the one that's doing the renovations yeah. at the UPC headquarters? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't know why they asked me to come back, but they do. So... Do what you got to do, man. So it's Jeremy, Gary, and Jen. Uh, Jen's also got the... What's the name of the book again, Jen? Free, From Legalism to Grace. And that's available on Amazon as well. So go check these guys out. I've listened to uh, I've listened to some episodes. It's very, very good. Um, they're just... For those of our listeners that are used to hearing the CHM stuff, this is just a little different, little different brand. This legalism stuff's everywhere. <laughs> but they all want you to believe they're unique. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how that works. If you guys want to write us, you can get us at hillbillybroadcast.com. We're on Twitter half the time, Instagram, we've got a Facebook page. You can write us there. Um, I think that about summing up for tonight. Once again, guys, thank you very much for being on. Check them out uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Amateur Faith Night Podcast. I love you all. And we'll talk to you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 